We made it! The final episode in the series and the final episode of the mini-series about emotions and feelings. Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt. And for the final episode in the series, we are looking at the skills it takes to have control of your emotions and feelings. I thought long and hard about this one because I really don't think it's possible to control your emotions. And based on my experience, our thoughts aren't in our control either, at least not fully. But what my experience is showing me is that when you learn to do certain things and when you learn to think in particular ways, or better yet, learn how to find the space between your thoughts and learn how to quiet your mind, you can control the impact that your emotions have on your life. And that's what this episode is about. It's a particularly pertinent one to end on because Big Happy Life is all about the life you have when you've got so much stuff in it. You've got your kids and you've got your goals and you've got your career and you've got all the things you have to do, all the things you want to do, and it's so much. And if you're like me, how you feel determines whether you're able to enjoy the life you've created for yourself, or whether it just feels like one responsibility stacking on top of another and on top of another, and then all of that piled on your shoulders and pushing a weight down on you. Oh, on that cheery note, let's get started. So far in my life, I have found five skills to work for me. And being skills, they take practice, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I do not have these perfect. And even though I'm recording the podcast and saying to you, here are some of the things that you could do if your emotions rob you of the enjoyment that's possible in the life you've created, I also have to tell you that recording a podcast about them and telling you that they work is 10,000 times easier than actually making them work. And I think that's a really important message to put out there when talking about something like emotions. I remember right at the start of my kind of self-development journey, and I was listening to people like Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Brian Tracy, Hal Elrod, and I still find their work massively inspiring. But I also used to think there was something fundamentally wrong with me because I didn't seem to have the capacity to live the way they suggest all the time. If you've ever listened to motivational speeches, you probably know what I'm talking about. That sense that the world is your oyster. You can have absolutely anything you want. All you have to do is go after it. So stop the limiting beliefs, stop the doubts, get rid of the fear, crack on, and go create your amazing life. Nothing is in your way except you. And I genuinely thought there was something wrong with me that I never really managed to get much traction before... I would just end up feeling overwhelmed. In fact, it happened this week. This particular episode should have been with you much earlier. I was meant to record it on Monday. But on Monday, I spent the day on the sofa, watching episodes of This Is Us on Amazon Prime, crying, and worrying about the chest pain and the shortness of breath that I was experiencing. Something I'm pretty sure was anxiety-related. But the skills I'm going to share with you in this video made that day therapeutic and cathartic. And so by Tuesday, I was fine. But before learning the things I'm going to share with you in this episode, that wouldn't have been the case. What would have happened in the past is that that day would have stretched into three or four days. My sleep would have been impacted. I'd lay awake at night worrying about the things I should have done during those days, the ways in which I was falling behind, how grumpy I was going to be the next day and how rubbish that would be for my kids and my husband. Instead, I took a day 
And yes, I did watch quite a lot of TV, but I also practiced the five skills I'm going to share with you in this episode. The first one is to deconstruct your emotions. Although I've sort of intuitively been practicing this skill for a while, and probably so have you, I didn't realize until I read How Emotions Are Made by Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, and I referenced that last week, that I realized the importance of focusing on these areas. In case you missed last week's episode, by the way, how dare you, go back and listen to it. Of course I'm kidding, but only half. Anyway, How Emotions Are Made blew my mind because it offered so many different ways to think about emotions instead of thinking about them as these kind of instinctive units of something that always run the same way because they've evolved that way. Instead, Dr. Feldman Barrett looks at them as having three components. And so this skill is about deconstructing those components to work out where to place your attention so that you can begin to feel more in control. The three components are the body budget, the current situation, and the predictions your brain is making. Now, the difficulty with this skill is that it's not always easy, even when you can deconstruct the emotion, to work out where exactly the issue may be arising. So if I go back and talk about my experience on Monday, deconstructing the emotion was helpful because I started thinking about the fact that over the last couple of weeks, I've had a pretty poor diet. I've increased the amount of sugary food I'm eating. I'm eating quite a lot of bread at the moment. I have one to two cups of coffee every day. I've started doing more upper body work, so my muscles are actually really sore in my back. And all of those things could be contributing to a deficit in the body budget. Now, what I talked about in last week's episode was the fact that the harder your body has to work, the more likely it is that you experience negative emotions. If everything is in balance and everything's working as it should, it's easier to feel good. But quite often when we feel bad and we're trying to feel better, we use things that mess up the body budget and ultimately leave us feeling worse. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a later part of this podcast when we get to skill five. So deconstructing emotions this way and going, actually, if my body felt better, I'd probably feel better. Then you have somewhere to focus. The next place to focus as part of the deconstruction of emotions is the present situation. So often when we think about emotions, we think of them as being part of us, kind of our personalities. I'm a nervous person or I'm really anxious, whatever it might be. But we don't exist in a vacuum. And although we can't change situations from the past, we can control to some extent the situations we find ourselves in today. So then it becomes about noticing the impact certain situations or people within those situations have on you. What's actually going on and what parts of it are stressing you out? Would a change of scenery help? Would it help to talk to somebody who's outside the situation? Yesterday, one of the things I did was I went for a walk in a local park. I specifically chose one with lots of trees so that I couldn't easily see the houses and I went without listening to anything. Normally, if I go for a walk, I listen to an audiobook or something like that. But I wanted to give myself that sensation of breaking the patterns in my life, of walking away from stuff and just being quiet. And often that's enough to give you the space you need just to recalibrate for a moment and then come back to whatever it is you're doing and feel better about it. The last part of the deconstruction is the part about predictions. Now, to understand the detail of this one, you probably would need to listen to last week's episode. But where the skill comes in is recognizing the predictive errors that may be causing negative emotions 
and also considering the predictive elements that are coming from the situation you are in. So let's say you're in a meeting with your boss, it's your annual review, and she asks, why did you do the work this way? Immediately, that internal alarm sounds, threat, threat, threat. And before a word has come out of your mouth, your body knows it's in defensive mode. Now, catching things in those moments is massively difficult. But if you can, and you can recognize that what your brain is doing is jumping ahead and your body is responding to a threat that actually may not exist, doesn't have to exist, exists only in your mind right now, there is potential to gain control of your emotions in that moment and respond in such a way that you offer really useful information that helps her understand why you did the work that way. Instead of responding to an underlying perceived threat of you did it wrong. Now, much of the predictive part of emotions and how the body runs itself happens below the level of consciousness. But the part I'm talking about is the thought-based part. And there is still some predictive element to that. One of the tricks I use in the training room that buys me the time I need for these sorts of moments of reflection is to have a bottle of water with me because nobody expects you to speak when you're having a drink. So in those types of situations, you just acknowledge the question and take a sip of your water. It gives you a couple of seconds to think through what you want to say and to gather and compose yourself. And then you can respond in such a way that you feel a little more in control. But when it's just you and your thoughts, you don't really need little tricks like that. You just need to give yourself a bit of time to reflect and to recognize that you may be jumping ahead and that some of the stuff that's going on could actually be dispensed with quite quickly if you challenge the predictions that are running in the background. So that's skill one. The ability to deconstruct the parts that make up your emotions and then give your attention to those areas in order to make any necessary changes. Skills two and three are both about separating yourself from your emotions. Skill two is something called diffusion, and it comes from acceptance and commitment theory. Here, the idea is that you don't try and push away your thoughts and feelings. You accept them. But the way you accept them is to recognize that they are not you. I really like this idea because I don't think many of us really register that our thoughts are not necessarily true and that very often we're responding to illusions. So the skill of diffusion is basically saying, it's totally okay for that thought to be there. It's completely fine. I can look at it objectively and see that it isn't me. It has nothing to do with who I am. It's just a thought. And in ACT ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, they teach you a variety of tools you can use to do this to basically play with your thoughts so that you can see them as just objects in your mind as opposed to reflections of who you are. Now, I know this podcast was titled Skills to Help You Gain Control of Your Emotions, but because thoughts and emotions are inextricably linked, it's really useful to recognize what you're feeding into the loops. So some of my favorite diffusion strategies that help me to feel a bit more in control of my emotions involve playing with my thoughts giving them distinctive voices like the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Mickey Mouse, and more or less turning them into toys of the mind and seeing them for what they are, just kind of traveling through things you can take or leave. 
There are dozens and dozens of different diffusion strategies, and I've listed a few of them in the show notes, which you can find at bighappylife.co.uk. And I've also put a link to an ACT website where you can then get further resources and more information about how it actually works. The third skill is also about creating distance between you and the emotion, and that is the skill of letting go. I think you have to already have some space between you and the emotion to be able to let go of it. I also have to say this is the hardest one for me to do and the one that I still need the most practice with. I find that the emotions that are kind of easy to let go of are easy to let go of and the ones that you are desperate to let go of are the ones that seem to stick to you like when you get tape stuck on your fingers and the more you try and pull it away the more it just sticks to other fingers. But that's why I grouped this skill with skill two, diffusion, because I think gaining access to your thoughts and thinking about the loops you might be creating, being able to step back from those and play around with them a little bit, makes it that little bit easier to potentially let go. My favorite source of help for this one is an audiobook, which isn't actually a book. It's a series of recordings from a retreat, but it's called The Journey Into Yourself, and it's by Eckhart Tolle. And when I know I'm holding on to an emotion, and that's why it's sticking around, I tend to listen to that. And to be honest, it doesn't actually matter where I start in the recording, I always end up hearing something that's of use. I'm actually listening to it for the third time. I kind of just keep it as my backup. I listen to it first thing in the morning or last thing at night, just to keep returning to this idea that so much of the pressure that I put on myself in my life is all based on complete illusions of what's important. And that for me has been the key on the times when I have been able to let go, is to recognize that the thing I'm clawing onto and won't let go of is actually related to something that really doesn't matter. Like a few years ago, I had listened to Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, and as part of that, they recommend that you get an accountability partner. I had found someone on the Facebook group, and she lived relatively close, so we decided to meet at a hotel. We had this brilliant meeting. We both left really inspired, and a few weeks later, I got a parking ticket for £100. Money was really tight, and that was a big, big deal. And for nights and nights, I lay awake, stewing about it. I had been in the parking lot for four hours and 19 minutes, and I paid for four hours. So the ticket was £100 for 19 minutes. And I would lie awake at night, composing letters of complaint, stewing about the fact that I couldn't send them anywhere because there was no address on the fine, thinking about the injustice of it, thinking about what I wanted to say and do to the people who ran the company that created such a stupid system. I lost so much time and energy over that parking ticket and did very little with all the inspiring stuff I had come away from the meeting with in the first place. But had I let go of that, potentially I would have thought more clearly about contacting the hotel themselves and disputing it. Instead, I ended up paying it just to stop the stress of thinking about it. But listening to Eckhart Tolle has shown me that it's not really necessary for drama to exist that most of the time it is a creation, it is in our minds, and if we can move past the thoughts that create the drama, there's a space and ease that exists beyond that point, where you realize that not a lot that feels super important is that important at all. And like I said, it's not something that I've really got the hang of yet, but every time I listen to him, I find it really soothing and I find a little bit more space. And I think you have to have that space in order to learn how to let go. 
Skill four is to ask better quality questions. The mind is super obedient. So when you ask questions like, why do I feel so crappy? Why am I always so stressed? What's wrong with me? Your mind will go in search of answers. So this skill is simple, but not easy. Instead of asking questions like that, you ask, what would it take for me to feel better? What is this experience doing for me? What am I learning about myself? How will it help me? Anything that leads you to focus on something that's more empowering, or if you listen to the episode where I talked about the emotional guidance scale, anything that leads you up the scale in some way, those types of questions help you gain control. Actually, asking better questions is good for stuff other than emotions as well. It even helped me with my insomnia. Instead of repeatedly lying awake asking myself, why can't I sleep? Why can I never sleep? I started asking, what would it take for me to sleep better? It turned out quite a lot of things, but that's for another episode. So that's skill four. Ask better quality questions, the kind that take you in the direction you want to go rather than leave you where you are or feeling worse. And finally, skill five. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Dealing with your emotions is much harder than numbing them. This is another one I struggle with. And although I've eliminated quite a lot of the numbing strategies in my life, food still remains. And I haven't yet made my peace with the discomfort it would take to cut sugar, particularly, from my life. Which is weird because I've already given up alcohol and I've already been through some of the discomfort that comes from giving up a numbing strategy. But here's what I can tell you from that experience. It can take a really, really long time for the discomfort to ease. And what I mean by the discomfort is not so much the hankering to have the thing, which, yes, is uncomfortable and goes on for absolutely ages, but rather the discomfort that comes from the rising emotions that would normally be squashed back down with whatever you're using as your numbing strategy. For me, it was the stress of parenting and that feeling of failure that was so constantly with me. Although to be fair, I drank way before I had kids, so clearly it was numbing something else before that. But the most interesting thing about getting comfortable with the discomfort is it arises less as you get the hang of it. So in the past, let's say I fetch my son from school, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and he has a meltdown, which is quite common after school for him. He was in reception last year, he's in year one this year. And I think he finds it really tough, especially considering that he was out of school for months because of the coronavirus lockdown. So he's really well behaved in class. His teachers say he has lovely manners. He's really polite. He tries very hard and he's a lovely sweet kid. All of which is true except on the days when I pick him up from school and he has some feelings that he needs to let out. Then it's basically an hour to an hour and a half of hell. Not to put too fine a point on it. When I was drinking, I used to go through those experiences with my mind firmly on the glass of wine that I was going to drink later and letting myself get more and more wound up because I think in some way it made me deserve the wine a bit more. When I gave it up, those types of situations were really hard because then I'd have to go through them with no promised outlet. But it wasn't until that outlet was removed that I had to start figuring out how to more productively get through the hour and a half in the first place. And so sitting in that discomfort, asking myself better quality questions was what ended up giving me a little bit more control in those situations. So I didn't just kind of let go of the reins and just be like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go again just get through it and then go and have a glass of wine. Instead, I started thinking, how do I stay calm? How do I help him with whatever's going on? What is actually going on? And now, although those meltdowns still happen, 
I don't generally melt down alongside him, nor do his meltdowns weigh on me to the point where I have to numb them out. Not usually. Although with sugar still on the table, I can just stuff my face with chocolate and biscuits. And sometimes I do. But like I said, all skills need practice. And that's the point. You listen to this because you have a big life or you want a big life. And that comes with so many responsibilities that it's hard to manage them all and still feel good. Practicing these skills has been the key for me. And I hope listening to this helps you figure out what strategies might work best for you to feel more in control in the situations where your emotions weigh you down. With that, we come to the end of series two. Series three will start in the new year. Some fresh new content, an updated approach, and hopefully lots of surprises. To be the first to know when those episodes go live, subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using. If you've enjoyed the podcast, recommend it to your friends so they can listen to the older episodes before season three goes live. And if there's anything you'd like me to cover or you feel like you have some real value to add and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, reach out to me via bighappylife.co.uk. For now though, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.